All right, good evening. Welcome to the Memorial Day edition of the Independence Gang. Thank you to be, for everyone for being here. Carlin, welcome to the program. I hope you're doing well. Hope your Memorial Day was everything you wanted it to be. Well, it's fantastic. I can't complain. Um, I always have a little difficult uh, time with Memorial Day because I never, I don't want to say happy Memorial Day. That just is not right, right? It's more of a somber occasion. We're remembering our war dead, the people who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. And I do think it's awfully fitting that uh, a program like this has an opportunity to talk about those freedoms and protecting them on a day like this. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's Good. that's what it's all about. Good. Britt, are you okay there too? I mean, you had an internet crash. You don't, I don't know what's happening with you. You're on NyQuil or DayQuil or some kind of quill over there. Are you all right? I am sick uh, as a dog. Um, and yeah, I'm on DayQuil, so... Um, my synapses aren't firing quite well, so I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to lose my shit on. Um, uh -huh. I do know that I feel my heart beating every time it beats. The pressure over the top of my head mm -hmm. is. Have you ever had one of those kind of head throbbing head? Like my eyeballs, it's like I'm flashing white, mm -hmm. you know, type of. Mm -hmm. So, but I took Dayquil and I'm here, so I'm going to be a little, probably a little subdued. Mm -hmm. but uh, I will do my best. And I did, I did grab some stuff to talk about. So it's not like I came with an empty bag. Okay. Can you tell us more about your eyeballs? Just to give us another 30 They're seconds. I'm just vamping right now, trying to give JR an opportunity to get back with us, but we'll just start and he'll catch up when he gets here. A uh, lot going on. There's never a shortage of things to talk about. I did want to start this by talking a little bit about some admissions in the press, or at least one. As you all know, over the last week or so, there's been a real attitude shift in the mainstream media about the possible origins of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, obviously, about a year ago, there were people included in those people were President Trump and uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who were talking about the real possibility, in some cases, the likelihood that this virus escaped from a laboratory in Wuhan, China. And all of those who uh, brought that fear, that theory to the top of the list were labeled conspiracy nuts, were labeled conspiracy theorists. And, uh, you know, kind of relegated into the tinfoil hat wearing group like uh, Brit's group in uh, Conspiracy Junction. But that attitude has started to change. You know, it's true. That attitude has started to change. And uh, John Carl on ABC's uh, program today this week actually had to admit and actually said that Trump was right when he called for a probe into the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He also went on to say, and this is the thing, this is kind of like the, 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 the catch of the whole thing. He said, some things may be true even if Donald Trump says them. Carlin, is this some kind of change in media attitude or is this just an isolated incident that they just couldn't get away from admitting to? You know, I, I know we are all shocked at this revelation that this virus was not naturally occurring and occurred in the lab that was funded partially by Fauci. And I, I know this was like, like we, we were just like knocked off our chairs at this revelation. And what really surprised me more than anything else was that the like I think some woman went on CNN was like, well, you know, just because Donald Trump said it, I mean, like, what, what did you expect us to do? Believe the president of the United States? <laughs> and you know what this was? You know what this was like? It was like, it, like when Trump said he liked 
hydroxychloroquine and then everyone went insane about this drug that has been perfectly acceptable and also very cheap for several years has been used all over the place with very limited side effects and trump was like i like hydroxychloroquine so everyone went psychotic on it and then several months later we find out what the hydroxychloroquine actually worked and that it was fine <laughs> yeah i wanted i want you to uh, keep this for a second, Carlin, because what is that phenomenon? Why on earth was the media so anxious to dispute anything that Donald Trump said? They do. They wouldn't even take a second just to give it any careful consideration, thought, or uh, fair analysis. It was an immediate knee-jerk reaction. If it came out of Trump's mouth, we must destroy it. Well, because the media did it, the media stopped being journalists. Like, I mean, probably way before Donald Trump was even elected, if we're honest, but really stopped while Trump was elected. And, you know, once they, once they commit to that narrative, they can't deviate from that. If Trump is right about something, that calls into question every other reality that they had been selling the public for years. So, of course, they're going to commit to the narrative that everything Donald Trump says is a lie, even if it results in harming people and i mean quite frankly how many people could have lived if they had just taken hydroxychloroquine and zinc yeah great great point yep. so i uh, I'm, I'm assuming you've heard most of this we're talking about the fact that abc's this week john carl had to admit on that program today that donald trump was actually right when he called for an investigation into the wuhan institute of virology for the origins of the covid19 uh, pandemic or the virus escaping from that lab um, we're talking about whether or not this might change things or we might be seeing a change in the media. We also know that last week we talked about Joe Scarborough and Jake Tapper having a moment in an interview they did together, which is rare because Tapper's from CNN, Scarborough from MSNBC, where at the end of this interview, despite beating up on Trump in the beginning of it, in the end of the interview, they said, you know, we really need to start being more fair to the Republicans and Donald Trump. Kind of the same question I, I, I put to Carlin here. Is this is this kind of the door opening to maybe a return to some real honest journalism here? Or is this uh, an effort to say, well, now we're not going to be so hard on Biden, so we have to pretend we're sorry for being so hard on Trump? I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> I uh, Obviously, they've had to eat a little crow here because of uh, the revelation of uh, the Wuhan lab and what might be going on there actually might actually have been real and facebook has had to eat some crow and actually uh, uh maybe there's hope for us they will not ban everything uh, just because they think it's uh you know uh pro pro trump narrative here but uh you know the truth uh inherently does come out at the end and uh, i i think at the end of the day here there's been a lot of untruths that have been going on for for four years and i think over time things have a way of uh you know people's people are people are suckers for the truth and i think we're gonna find out that uh some of these things that they you know not unlike the uh the russia collusion that uh our our good friend schiff said uh you know he saw proof well at the end of the day after years and years and years guess what there was no proof so uh, the Wuhan lab, but guess what? I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that there's things there that uh, uh, are going to come out and prove that, that that's where it came from. And that's what a year ago people said. And, you know, now they're having to eat a little crow because of those that said that was the case. And now it looks like that very well may be the case. Britt, uh, JR just brought it up. Adam Schiff was saying over and over again, we have absolute proof. We've got the smoking gun. Uh, there was collusion between Trump and, 
and the Russians uh, to win the election. You know, this 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 mantra was just repeated almost incessantly for almost four years, and it turned out all to be false. We also know that in the rules of propaganda, you just keep repeating the line. Eventually, people are going to accept it and or believe it. Um, is that what Schiff was doing in that particular case? And then I want your comments on what we're seeing here in the media right now. Well, it was worse with Schiff because, as you remember, the Star Chamber uh, committee hearing he had going on in the basement of the Capitol that uh, no one was allowed in, no press, all behind closed doors. And when Richard Grinnell, the most amazing first gay-level cabinet member appointed by Donald Trump, um, declassified all of it because they were trying these, – these testimonies were never to see the light of day. It turned out that the Brennan types and the, and the Comey types and the – you know, the people that testified at the uh, impeachment hearing types, when they were in there under oath, no, no, I, I don't, I don't know. We don't have anything on that. I don't have anything. I do have anything on that. I don't have anything like that. We don't have anything on that. And then literally, you could see when they testified to the Star Chamber, and then that night you would see them on CNN as a talking head saying undeniable truth, uh, evidence in plain sight, because they weren't under oath to the media, so they lied to us. And Schiff was part of that whole thing, and he would get all this information in his Star Chamber saying no. It's fine. Nothing there. And then he would go out and continue to run his mouth, propagandizing the people. To me, that is far worse than lying. That is treasonous to me because he was lying to the American people about stuff to get an outcome that gives him more power, his party more power, them more money, them more control. It is treasonous. And Adam Schiff, in my mind, should be tried as a traitor and be hung from the nearest tree. One found guilty. Um, as to the media, this is a grift. I mean, when, when Trump came in, the media was dying. Remember, Twitter was about to go under. CNN was struggling. It was for sale. MSNBC was worse. Fox was getting along, but, you know, they were at least turning the profit. But they weren't doing banner numbers. And then here came Trump. And what happened with the media is they figured out if they preach to their particular choir, they can get that certain level of numbers and keep them engaged. And the more they talked about hate Trump, hate Trump, hate Trump, their numbers grew. And they were, you know, they weren't as good as Fox, but they were getting decent numbers where they were making money. Hate Trump equaled clicks, equaled money. And it was, it became preach to your choir, right to your audience, um, which I learned about all this from Tim Pool because that's what he had to do when he was working for Disney. And he quit. He walked away from a golden handcuff contract. Because they told them to you know, write to your audience is where I pulled this all from. So I think that's what it was with the media. Zucker, number one, Zucker hated Trump because he got fired from The Prentice by Trump. But he also figured out how to make money. And that was hate of orange man and fear, hate and fear. And if you can do hate, fear, and racism in a single headline, you made a boatload of money. And that's what it was about. They're chasing dollars. Uh, clicks to get dollars. Another thing that's uh, been going on nationally, we've seen it a lot. Obviously, we've seen protests. We've seen this defund the police movement. We've also seen major reforms in bail and bond uh, regulations and, um, I guess, laws throughout the country. New York State eliminated uh, cash bond for all uh, those uh, arrested and being arraigned and other states are doing similar things. And basically what it's doing is it's putting criminals immediately back out on the street. And that's starting to uh, have consequences that even the Democrats can't deny. And there's an article that says the loosening of bond restrictions around the country has led to a wave of violence committed by criminals who otherwise wouldn't have been released. There's a district attorney by the name of Kim Og 
She's a progressive Democrat. She's also considered, and this is a quote, America's top gay cop. And she was interviewed for a magazine called Outsmart. And she put it uh, in a particularly uh, interesting way. She said, I can count and I can see what's happening here. And here are the numbers. They go back to 2015 because they, you know, they want to be pre-pandemic. But in 2015, her county, Harris County, tallied uh, 6,000. I'm going to round these numbers off for ease. 6,300 crimes committed by 3,200 accused criminals that were out on bond. By 2020, the numbers had tripled to eight, almost 19,000 crimes attributed to 10,500 criminals out on bond which is a significant number of a significant increase and many of them were murders. So uh, Carlin, um, you know, once again, the numbers don't lie. And when people start to feel unsafe, the pressure is going to go. And I'm going to leave the the answer to that sentence to you. Where's the pressure going to go? I mean, <laughs> I guess, I guess we're going to see where that pressure is going to go. But I mean, can, can, like, are, again, are any of us shocked at the revelation that when you defund the police, that murders and crimes increase when you just let people out on bail that like otherwise would be in prison, that crimes are going to increase. And that's not to say like, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, we have to presume innocence in these things before people have a trial, but that's really not the point. The point is that for the last year, the Democrats have been playing fast and loose with all of this for the sake of being, of looking like they are, they are the moral just ones in society because all of this you know sometimes people think about you know the topic of like critical race theory and social justice and they think it has to do with race it actually has nothing at all to do with race it has to do with power it has to do with keeping the people fighting each other and keeping the people divided over stupid nonsense like this like defunding the police never should have been a legitimately taken seriously idea to begin with but they use these ideas they insert them into our society purely to keep us fighting each other and doing stupid things like Letting criminals out of jail so that it destabilizes every major institution in our society. And when our society is destabilized, guess what happens? The people who are controlling everything retain power. Great point, uh, JR. Here's some more statistics for you. We'll get your comment on them. The 600,000 people of Baltimore commit a total of seven times as many murders per year as do the 8.6 million people of Switzerland. The 2.7 million people of Chicago commit 85 times as many murders per year as do the 5.7 million people of Singapore. These are Democrat cities. Incredible. Yeah, but but not surprising. I mean, if if you uh, I've said this before, if if you incense something, you get more of it. In other words, if you defund the police have less policing, who's surprised that there's more crime? I mean, it, it, it's, it's obvious. And it, that concept of defunding police and thinking that's a legitimate uh, um, solution to our society and it's a cost-effective way to manage our, our society, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. And But the proof is in the pudding, you know? I mean, the facts are the facts, as, as I, Reagan said, facts are stubborn things, right? Well, you can sit here and list statistically the increase in crime that's happening as a function of defunding the police. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. At the end of the day, if you and your kids are not safe, guess what? You got a problem with whoever's in charge. 
and maybe they're going to need it to hit him over the head with a sledgehammer to, to, to see that that's the problem. But uh, at the end of the day, um, again, truth is going to win out here, and they're that's just, just not going to work. And it's going to be glaringly obvious to everyone, regardless of what party you're, 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 you're on. Britt, I'll uh, give you another statistic. You can comment on any or all of it and then go with something that you've got. But there were more than 20,000 murders in the United States in the year 2020, the COVID year. It's a, That it represents a 25% increase from 2019. If people don't feel safe, Britt, people are out buying weapons to defend themselves. Uh, uh, if people don't have a general sense of security, uh, civilization can't function. True. Does that does that number include the twelve thousand people that uh, uh, Kumo murdered in the old folks' homes? I don't. Know. Or is that on top of that? Yeah, I'm not sure they're including those statistics, but good point. So we probably murdered thirty-two thousand people in 2020. Uh, Kumo being the most prolific and efficient murdering machine on the planet. Um, Stalin would be proud of Kumo's actions. Um, obviously, if 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 we don't have the police doing their job. If we don't have a, and it's bigger than the police because I mean, you could flood the streets with the military, you know, and, and headbutt people with the guns and do, you know, do the really hardcore Singapore level crackdown or uh, some authoritarian China roll the tanks into Tiananmen Square level crackdown. But if your people don't, don't respect it, don't respect the law, don't respect society, don't respect, you know, the Ten Commandments, so to speak. I'm not a very religious person, but the Ten Commandments are kind of a good thing. Don't steal your neighbor's shit. Don't screw your neighbor's wife. Don't, you know, I, you know, I'm just saying, you know, don't. If you don't do that, you know, we all get along and we can live in a coherent society and we can all prosper together. But if, if it becomes what we're seeing in New York, and I actually happen to have a video that I was going to talk about. This is NYPD. Uh, they get called to an area for a shots fired. Somebody's down. That was a 911 call. And this is what they roll into. So people are throwing stuff. And then it gets, look at the amount of people that as the crowd starts growing. And then this is what blows my mind. NYPD is in retreat. When do you ever remember NYPD retreating from anything. They never got out of their cars. They never found anybody that was shot. Now, apparently somewhere down the road, some people turned up shot in a hospital, but they roll up to a call because someone got shot, someone's calling for help, and that's how your neighborhood responds to the police coming in to help. JR, if this is the response to the point where the NYPD goes into retreat, that's like unheard of. There's so many cops per square inch there. How does our society survive? You know, if you don't um, promote strength, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get the opposite. It's not surprising. Um, if our police can't show up and be, the cavalry has, has come, right? Um, criminals are emboldened. I, I, with you know, it, it's no different than we're seeing with our international enemies right now. They're feeling an opportunity, right? Well, at a smaller level, that's what's happening in our cities that are be, have been defunded. Do, are you are there are our cops feeling like uh, um, 
you know, the mayors of these cities have, have their back? Obviously not. So what will ultimately happen is they won't even show up. But if you can't promote a, uh, um, a affirmative response and actually show up and uh, show who's the boss and show a deterrent to crime, it's not going to be surprising that you have more crime. And in these urban cities that have, you know, we, we've seen it happen. I mean, Chicago has been a glaring example of what happens when you uh, are loose on crime for years and years. I mean, the number Decades. of murders there is, appa is appalling, appalling. And, you know, Giuliano, showed, he showed what you could do uh, 20 years ago in New York. New York had a huge problem. And what did he do? He funded the police. He got hard on crime. And guess what happened? Surprise, surprise. Things cleaned up. You know, people felt good and safe in New York. And, uh, you know, I it, it's not rocket science. You can do this if you have the backbone to do it. And, you know, the last year plus, we have not had the backbone. No, we have not, especially with the particular mayor they have there. Carlin, so I look at that scene and after and, and then because we're thinking human beings, we're smart people. And you, 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 we process everything that's happened for the last year, two years, the beginning of Trump and the, the onslaught in these liberal cities that the cops have taken. I truly don't blame them for backing out of that. There was no good that was going to come out of that for them as an individual officer, except they might get arrested and thrown in jail. Yeah. So, yeah. What the, these police officers, do you blame them for backing out? Do you blame them for going, mm, I'm not going to do that. I'm done. No, absolutely not. And I'm even going to go one step further than this. I think that what needs to happen in order to solve this problem is there needs to be some police force in some major city, whether it be New York or Philadelphia or Chicago or Los Angeles, that just collectively quits and says, we are not going to do this anymore. And they do it all at the same time and they all walk off the job on the same day. Give the cities what they want. And the reason I think that needs to happen is not because I think that's ideal. I think that that's going to turn into a shit show very quickly. But this will teach people not to mess around with defunding the police. So many problems would be solved within the span of a month if one police force in one major city took one for the team and all collectively quit at the same time and showed them what it actually looks like to defund the police. So a short-term loss for a very long-term game. I really think that the people need to experience the results of the things that they're voting for. They are voting for Democrats in these cities that are going to tell them they're going to defund them well, let's show them what that looks like. Over and over and over again, they have voted for the same people. Detroit, what is it, 100 years now under Democrat control? Uh, Chicago, what was it, JV Chicago? They just had uh, they just had uh, uh, 50-something uh, people shot this weekend, Memorial Weekend so far. Yeah. A handful are dead. Um, so I got this other video, JV, and I can't remember. I, this is either New York or Frisco. I can't remember. This guy's completely compliant, totally compliant. Poor tactical decision by her to do this alone. But she walks up to this guy, homeless dude, obviously, a little mental unstable. And in the blink of an eye, this goes from compliant to, holy crap, death-defying. Yeah. And now, my question to you, baby, have you seen this video yet? No. So what do you think happened to that officer? 
I, I have no idea what happened to the officer, but what? You don't know, but it's scary, right? And she's on her own. Yeah. So if it wasn't for the citizens right here that finally decide to come up and help, they come up and help, and, and this guy, he's trying not to lose his stuff, but he's trying to get this guy off, and this guy comes up with the camera. It eventually ends up taking, and I'm going to jump to the next video, it eventually ends up taking five cops to control this guy. So my multiple-part question to you, JV, and then the rest of they want to talk on this, or you can talk about someone else. This is the shit that the police, the, 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 the defund crowd wants to send a, uh, social workers to. I mean, that would have been really bad. And the other question I have is I've seen all over Twitter when I found this video that if that was a black man, uh, they would have shot and killed him. There's no way. And my point to that is the officer had no time to get to her gun because I'm telling you right now, if that officer could have gotten to her gun, she would have shot him multiple times in the chest. But she couldn't. Poor tactics on her part, hands down. But how the hell are social workers going to handle this problem? Well, they're not. That is just another ridiculous idea from the left uh, because either they're really stupid or they just have no understanding of what they're talking about or, or a combination of both. I want to back up a little bit here. There are nine other commandments you could have referenced, Britt, uh, instead of going to the, the second one that you chose there. I just want to point that out. A whole bunch of them that you could have talked about. Uh, but that's okay. Um I also want to talk about the New York uh, Police Department that backed away from that mob. Think about, I mean, you know that de Blasio and other liberal mayors around the country have told their police not to engage groups like that, uh, which is a mistake unto itself. But what about the citizens? What about the residents of that area or just innocent bystanders that are walking around that are fearing for their lives? When will somebody, one of these politicians, remember that they have rights too and they deserve the police protection? So while it's an uncomfortable situation for the police to go into a group of people that are throwing things at them and all of that, and I don't think the police would have backed out um, if they weren't under political pressure to do so, they need to remember that there are probably as many, if not more, citizens cowering in their apartments or in their stores or in a restaurant afraid to go out because of what's happening in that street, too. And they, those folks have right as rights as well. Um, now, is, go ahead. But, well, I'm going to counter that with, because we've had this conversation round in circles on that, They've, and what Carlin referenced is that people keep voting for the same politicians over and over again with no change in what's going on. And, and, and I have told you, and I have made the – defend the police. Go, go away. I, I'm done defending them because this is what the people want in that area. But you have rightly countered and said it's never been this pronounced. Well, now it is. So 2022, if in that borough or that, that section of New York, they vote the same damn people in again – then it's completely on the residents of that area, and it is all on their head. That's where I'm at. Well, I'm going to give them one more lecture because it's so pronounced now. We can see what's going on. I, I you know, that's fine. I, I agree with the with the concept, and I, I, I agree with the um, the ex, and it's not an exaggerated point, but the exaggerated action of watching a whole yeah. police department in some city walk off the job, so these people can really see what it means. To not have any police protection they're not going to like it for 24 hours let alone for the you know for this from this point moving forward it's going to be hell and it'll be chaos and it'll be dangerous for a lot of people so you're absolutely right Carl, and that'll prove the point very quickly however having said all that i don't care how that person voted you know pick a person who's in the middle of that mob scared uh, to death to walk across the street or maybe they have a, a child they still don't deserve that kind of shit and you're right they need to vote uh, to change things, but they also still need that police protection in the meantime. Um, 
going back to the to the the skirmish that we saw there with the homeless person the thing that's a little troubling about that and you pointed it out Britt, there was a tactical error by that officer and in the oh, dante and in the dante wright shooting there was a tactical error not by the there was of course by the the officer that shot dante wright but by the error the officer that was trying to arrest him our good friend rich who is on this program as one of our guest panelists is a law enforcement officer and he said immediately he said that arresting officer should not have tried to uh, arrest him and uh and put him in cuffs next to the door with that driver's door open because it gave him the opportunity to do exactly what he did he said that is against everything they're taught to do so we're seeing how maybe training the giving the police some additional training might be actually a smart thing maybe they are indeed in need of it my other question is why was that officer walking with a rifle what was going on there that was a less than lethal rifle. That was a beanbag shotgun. You can tell by the color of the butt. Okay. It was green or pink or yellow. Those are less than lethal. So what was weird about that is that she had that. She was having the problem with that guy. And then she just walks up to him when he goes, okay, I'm going to – that that was – I want to see what that investigation does because because think about it, JB. Had she shot and killed that guy, would we have riots again? I don't know. Cop, I don't know. I don't know any man. of the. I don't know any of the circumstances there. But what I do know is that that is the, exactly the scenario that we're talking about. Every time an officer approaches a sub, uh, a, a suspect, subject, whatever you want to call them, for whatever it is, traffic stop, jaywalking, you know, dog leash violation, you never know what's going to happen in that confrontation. You never know, and therefore the police need to always be prepared. They need to be trained, and they need to be there. And that's really all right. I have to say about it. Okay, I'm going to go back to Carlin real quick on what you said about the police force uh, walking off the job and whatnot. You know, we have the Second Amendment. I'm fine with that. I will definitely be protected. My family will definitely be protected. My friends around me, we're all armed. We'll be fine without the police. So I'm kind of okay with that. But there are a lot of people that aren't. So, I mean, there it might not be as bad as you think. I mean, maybe, maybe not. And, you know, I certainly do have sympathy for people who would be put in danger, but this is the reality that we're facing, is that this idea has been coddled since last year. This was not just a fleeting flight of fancy that was like an editorial in the New York Times that, like, people kind of laughed at, was like, eh, let's just not go down that road. No, this has been taken seriously. Minneapolis actually defunded the police. New York City defunded the police. Los Angeles defunded the police. And if they want to commit to this strategy, then they should really experience what it's like. And do I feel badly for some of the people living there who did not vote for this? Well, sure, of course, but you chose to live there, and this is the responsibility of the collective. And at the end of the day, if people do not experience negative consequences for these horrible flipping votes, then they are never going to change them. Exactly. Uh, JV, do you want to take it, or do you want me to keep rolling? I've got something. Yeah, I've got something that I, yeah, got something I want to talk about. It's kind of a, 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 a significant shift in our conversation here, but I think it's worth talking about. We have had a couple of conversations a lot of conversations about public education. We've had a couple of conversations about some of these elite private schools, particularly in New York City, that are doing some things that are just unbelievably woke and certainly inappropriate on a lot of levels. And there's a bunch of parents that are complaining about a, a, another one of these private New York City schools um, because the school is showing uh, sex education videos that include masturbation talk in first grade. Now, I'm going to warn folks, if, if you're easily offended by this kind of stuff, uh, you're going to want to turn your volume down for a couple minutes here. But parents 
of first grade children at the exclusive New York City Dalton School were enraged when they discovered their children were being shown a sex ed cartoon video in which young children talked about touching themselves for pleasure. This is according to a New York Post report, and I've got a couple of video clips here. To uh, This is actually the cartoon. I've edited it to uh, be much shorter than it actually is. Whoa, watch it. You almost hit me in the pee-pee. What's so funny, you two? He said pee-pee. Do you notice that when you say pee-pee, you giggle, but when you say penis, you say it in a serious voice? Some children and adults feel uncomfortable when they talk about their private parts, so they make up cute or funny names for them. What's one for a girl's private parts? Vajayjay! But what does Scoops mean when he says Vajayjay? He means vulva. That's right, Kayla. Okay, so that's that's part one. JR, your reaction to this the beginning of this conversation here. These are this is a cartoon that is being shown to first graders. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know what? Um what I would say to the parents that send their kids for probably 25 grand to this private school, they vote with their pocketbooks because I, I can't believe the vast majority of parents, no matter what their, you know, their political persuasion happens to be, are okay with their first graders being shown this kind of stuff. I mean, at, at some point, and it's, you know, we, we all had sex education at some point in our lives. It was not in first grade, nor does it need to be first grade. And I'm not, because it didn't happen to me in first grade, guess what? I think I turned out reasonably okay. Maybe that's an arguable point, JV. I don't know. But but the point is, it doesn't happen to happen in first grade. And if I'm paying 25 grand for my kid to go there, I'm going to pay someplace else to my kid. And, you know, just like we decide we're not going to drink Coke for a while, JV, guess what? We vote, we vote with our pocketbooks. I want I got to believe schools that think that is okay are going to find out uh, with their tuition dollars being uh, curtailed. And I will point out that the tuition for this school is 55000 not $25,000. Oh, um, this, oh this is also the same school that um, members of the faculty issued an eight-page manifesto with demands including sweeping changes in personnel, academic curriculum, and the ways in which black students are to be treated differently in disciplinary ma measures, and also while assess, uh, assessing academic performance, they want all staff and faculty to under and parent volunteers to undergo yearly anti-racist training, and they demand that all administrators and staff produce a public anti-racism statement. This is the same school. Um, I also want to point out that when the parents oh complained, God. yeah, when the parents complained to administrators about this particular sex ed video being shown to first graders, the administration said that they misinterpreted it. I'm going to play the second clip I have here from this video. All our private parts do is pee. Hey, how come my penis gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an erection. Sometimes I touch my penis because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my vulva too. You have a clitoris there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's penis feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? Hmm, they don't? That's right, Keith. It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel, but it's best to only do it in private. 
Carlin, I see you. Uh, I see you acting out in disbelief. Uh, what are your thoughts on this ed, sex ed video cartoon, nonetheless? Like Joe Campbell used to pitch cigarettes. Uh, this cartoon is uh, saying something completely different to first graders. What the fuck was that? What did I just watch? Okay, if people cannot wrap their head around the idea that that is not appropriate for a six-year-old, then I just don't know what to tell you. Listen, kids are going to figure out masturbation, I promise you. People have been figuring it out for millennia. They're going to figure it out. <laughs> this is not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. Okay, to be like totally serious for a second. Listen, I proposed last week on Twitter that like a camera should be put in every single classroom yep. in the United States. Because here's the thing. We have cameras everywhere. There, there are cameras on doggy daycares. You can log in on your phone and see what the dogs are doing. There are cameras in real daycares where there are children. There are cameras on school buses. There are cameras at basketball games. There are cameras at recitals. Why cannot there be a camera in every classroom in America? America, not to film the students. I don't care what the students are doing. I want to film the teacher and I want to film what they're teaching and I want to make it accessible to every parent of every student in that class. I think that is a brilliant idea. Uh, I can already hear the teachers union screaming about it, but I think we should push for it anyway. And speaking of teachers unions, the teacher that was doing this, her name is Justine Ang Fonte. She's the she's uh, the in charge of the health and wellness education in this particular school. And last month, she led a controversial and explicit porn pornography, porn literacy workshop at another prep school that she was teaching at. She's a reassured parents that um, she doesn't use the word masturbation in class and that her lessons teach kids not to touch themselves in public. So, Britt, if I shoot somebody in the head, but I don't call it murder, it's okay, right? Right. And I'm glad I'm being taught not to touch myself in public. Maybe I should stop doing that. <laughs> um, I'll send you the whole I, video. I, I, you can watch the whole thing and get the whole lesson. Okay. Yeah, I might learn something. Um, and then going back to, to Carlin's point on the cameras. So, I don't know if you noticed on Twitter, but I was always following you up. And I was going, we need a camera in every classroom to protect the teachers from these unruly MAGA parents. I want live streaming in every classroom to protect the teachers. The teachers need protection and because they can't argue that. Oh, yeah. wait. Oh, you're going to protect me? Yeah. We need to start streaming this stuff. It needs to be ever. Honestly, what needs to be happening is, number one, the federal level uh, education system needs to be blown up. The education needs to be gone. Defund it. Nuke it. Get rid of it. The money just goes back to the states and let each individual state figure out their own shit. That's what needs to happen. This is the byproduct of centralized, central committee the federal government controlling shit um, and pushing stuff, even in to the private schools. I bet you, I bet you, if we look hard enough, there is some kind of a kickback tax deduction, federal grant, something. There's money going on there uh, to make this happen. Um, I was exposed to sexual stuff really young, and this the, 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 that video would have screwed me up. Looking at National Geographic, I'm fine, but that would have really screwed me up. Um, and I don't know, and like Carlin says, I, I don't know how anybody of sound mind can look at this and go, first graders, really? And be okay with it. If there's anybody on this planet that looks at that and says, oh, it's okay to show that to a first grader, there is something wrong with you and you are a child molester, I bet. I would bet my life savings that you molest children somehow, some way.
if you're okay with that video being played to kill to, to children because it's grooming them yeah well it's not just sex education they're talking about and carlin you may want to comment on this uh, before i give it back to Britt. but they're talking about gender issues to first second graders these children don't really even understand what gender is yet they haven't hit puberty how can they possibly have a comprehension of what the long-term consequences of any of this discussion mean you've talked about this a lot uh, carlin yeah, they, they don't understand what all of this is, is, is the real answer. But the thing of it is, the reason why the teachers are doing this this young is they're trying to get the kids before they're eight years old. Because before the kids are eight years old, their brain is very malleable. And things that you teach them before they're eight years old tend to really solidify in there. We have these things called mirror neurons, where like, the kids basically mirror whatever they see the adults doing or saying or teaching or any of these things. And anything that is solidified in there basically will be with someone for the rest of their life unless they make a very proactive effort to get rid of it and to change that uh, that neurocognition in their brain. So that's why they're doing it this early. Kids do not understand what they are learning. They don't understand what they're being taught. They're just mimicking what the adults are telling them to do. So as I was doing my research today, JV, I ran across this video. I'm going to show the headline first and then, and then I'm going to play it because when I read this headline, um, I didn't believe it. I thought, God, there's no way. But it's an armed black national militia. We've seen them on video around. There's about 10,000 of them, they say, in the States. But when that time has come for rat-a-tat-tat, cracker, we will kill every white in sight. And then the other quote is, uh, white has beginning and an inning and an ending. And your ending time has been up since 1914. No good cracker boy. That group, the, the, all those guys were armed. And women, there are women in there too, were armed, small guns, big guns, medium guns. JR, you listen to that. They want to kill everything white. And at the very end, it says that we will not stop until all white is gone. How are we, how do we as, as the, the civil-minded people supposed to engage with that and have a honest discussion about fixing some of the, I mean, there are true problems in our country, but how do we have a rational conversation with that? Because I'm not the KKK. You guys aren't the KKK. That's their side. That's the KKK, not us. How do we? How do we come together with and have an honest conversation with them, Jr.? I tell you, it, it just it the more uh, radicalness becomes accepted, the more radicalness you're going to have. And I don't care which side of the coin you're on. People right now, after living through the last 15 months, feel emboldened. And groups like this, regardless of whether they're, um, you know, pro-black, against the whites, whatever they are, um, they're, they're feeling like, hey, this is our time. And you're defunding police like we talked about earlier. Guess what? We can get away with this. Uh, things have been happening. Destruction's been happening in major cities continuously for the last 12 months arsons, murders, vandalism. I mean, why are we surprised that groups such as this are feeling emboldened to do what they might want to do? These are, these are fringe groups that 10 years ago would have been stomped out with somebody's thumb and the police would have come and broke them up and that would have been the end of it. Now they feel like it's their time and we shouldn't be surprised that this is what's happening out there. It's It's just it's just a, a perfect example of what the last, certainly the last year and a half has created. And right, exactly. Know, it, yeah, I'm. Uh, 
<laughs> Garland, I am I am hugely 2A, and I am totally fine with them having firearms. Absolutely. But when they're organizing like that and talking about wiping out a race just by by their skin color, why why is that not considered a terrorist hate group? I mean, they're going after the January 6th people with such vigor, the group of people that have the most guns in the world per capita, the most rounds of ammunition, and there was no guns and no gunfire on the Capitol. But we have these people literally saying, we're, gonna, we're going to ethnic cleanse this country, and the FBI does nothing. Why? Well, because uh, according to the ideology that has taken over the United States, critical race theory, it is not possible to be racist against white people. This is literally what they teach. They teach that racism requires power plus prejudice. And because black people don't have power in this country and white people hold all the power, that means that white people can be racist towards black people, but black people can't be racist towards white people. Now, this is absurd to anyone who thinks about it for a single moment. And the fact of the matter is that racism is racism is racism, but this group doesn't fall into the narrative that the media and the DOJ and the FBI and all these other places want to tell. They want to tell you that the real problem, as Joe Biden said in his in his quasi State of the Union, whatever the heck that was, the real problem in this country is white supremacy. That is that is the, the worst problem that the United States is facing right now. Saying this while gas prices are going through the roof, inflation is going through the roof, that jobs report was nothing to write home about. But no, white supremacy is the greatest problem. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So JV, you're a white man. Why are you racist? <laughs> but my, my bigger question is also on top of that question when you listen to more of the video because there's a long video of these guys ranting they th that guy was saying how they were going to take over and protect their communities basically become the police of their communities how does that make it any safer for the residents of that of an area uh, I want to point out that uh, there are a lot of great thinkers that have addressed this issue, and Carlin is one of them. She just put it very, very uh, nicely. But if you go on YouTube and look for, like, Thomas Sewell talking about racism, it, these people point out very, very clearly that uh, that racism is not only something that can exist from any race to another race, but when you when you connect it to the slavery question, you will find out very, very quickly that African slaves are not the only slaves that existed throughout history. And in fact, a lot of white people have been enslaved over the course of history as well. Uh, and in fact, uh, it's it's quite a complex and diverse issue. And Thomas Sewell does a great job of breaking it down. I watched a video of his not long ago about the topic. I'd recommend that to anybody. Um, Britt, there's a double standard here. And, and Carlin pointed it out. JR pointed it out. And this, again, goes back to the idea that if we keep, and I say we, but I'm talking about the people in Washington in power right now, if we keep dividing Americans, then it's easier to control them. It's easier to get them to vote for you. It's easier to get your agenda passed. It's easier to, to, uh, to, to funnel money to the companies that you want to funnel money to or to the people you want to funnel money to. This is all a, a big, giant diversion. Maybe some people are very sincere about some of these issues, but for the most part, this is a big game they're playing, and it's dangerous, and it's destroying the country. It absolutely is, and, but, you know, to them, as long as they stay in power, they don't care. They, they're going to be up on the hill with the walls around their city and their private security guards, you know, at the gates with their private guns, and all of us peasants will be, will be out beyond the wall trying to survive, you know, and, and they, they're not going to care. They just want their power. 
Um, I have one more small thing, JV, and then I'll give it back to you. Oops, wrong one. So Washington Square Park is uh, is a drug den now, Greenwich Village. I mean, your your lovely state has basically taken. Now I remember in the 70s and 80s stories about Washington Square Park and the murders that happened there. It was just an open drug market, and then it became a really cool place to hang out. I was actually we actually went to that park and hung out for a little bit when we were doing Ghost Hunters, but that was you know back in the day when it was safe under Bloomberg times. Um, but now it's gone full circle, JV. Does everything? Does everything go full circle? Is that what's going on here? We just, everything, the pendulum goes back and forth. Everything goes round and round. Um, yeah, and it's I, just inevitable. Let me, let me answer that very, very easily. What happens is a Republican comes in, cleans it up, makes it all work again. People get comfortable. They vote in a Democrat. And then the Democrats go back to the failed policies that they always go back to. It destroys everything. And I think we're at the point where that pendulum in New York City is going to swing hard. And it's hard to envision a, a Republican mayor in New York City. It's hard to envision a Republican governor in New York State because of how left the state and the city have become. But man, when you look at the difference between New York City today and New York City 20 years ago, if you're a New York City resident, that's real. That's meaningful. That is a way of living. It's a, a change in your way of life that it's intolerable. So either we're going to get a really conservative Democrat uh, as a mayor of New York City, and I don't live in New York City, so I don't have a whole lot of say in it, or we might even get at was an Andrew uh, Giuliani who's running uh, for mayor with that Giuliani name. Maybe that'll work for him in New York. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, is that is that Giuliani's son? Yeah. Yep. I had no idea. Oh, that's cool. That might be interesting. So, 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 Jr. Um. With the with the what JV just said about the pendulum and whatnot, how long do you think it takes for us to correct back? How long? I mean, I know that when Giuliani got there, it took him several years, but we don't even have Giuliani in. How long do you think from now until we're kind of back at normal? Do we ever get back to normal? Boy, uh, you know, I I remember when Pataki, uh, you know, was successful, and he was, and he was a moderate Republican from uh, Poughkeepsie which is, uh, you know, about an hour and change north of New York City. I forget what year that was, J uh, JV, but maybe you remember. But It was mid-90s you know, anyway. Mid-90s. Uh, I, remember, I remember it well, though. I mean, and he, and he had t at least two terms. And he, you know, uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo's dad, I mean, got things so bad that a Pataki could get elected. Now today, could that happen? I mean, you look at our current governor and the, the train wreck that he is. Um, if he decides to run again, I, I I think he could be beat because there's enough disgusted Democrats. But the registration's three to one in New York State, you know, and certainly New York City oh, is probably eight to one or eight to two or whatever it is. I mean, uh, but uh, but in New York State, it's it's like it's three to one. So things have to swing pretty hard to get a number of Democrats and the independents and, and the lion's share of the Republicans to, to vote in a Republican. But, uh, I mean, we were $6 billion in the hole financially before COVID. We're a mess now. Without, without the manna from heaven coming from Biden, we'd really be in trouble. But, but you look at the, uh, you know, the issues that our current governor has. You look at New York City's mess, the defunding the police debacle. I mean, in every segment of, of governance that we have, it's a mess. 
So are we ripe for a change at this juncture? Certainly with our current governor's situation, I think it's possible, but it's gotta be the right candidate with the right message and with enough disgust out there universally across the board to make it happen. But, uh, you know, usually that pendulum have to swing pretty hard for it to start coming back the other way. And maybe we're there. It will it'll happen at some point. I'll point out but, that uh, uh, Pataki was elected in 94. That was the same year that Newt Gingrich and the Republicans took Congress with the contract mm-hmm. with America. I'll also point out that Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump are working on a new version of the contract with America for the midterms 2022. And that very well could help some gubernatorial candidates on the right. Uh, Carlin, I've got one more thing here very quickly because we're almost out of time. Um, And you can feel free to comment on what we just talked about or this, but there's been a lot of talk about UFOs in the federal government, and there's a report that's going to be released in June that they're talking about all sorts of disclosure. Well, some in the media are now saying that all this UFO talk really looks more like a head fake and a distraction from the government. This article, we don't have time to get into it in too much detail, but it really goes on to say that, you know, there's a lot of talk now to to distract from the things that are happening, like the Middle East inflation, the open border, the lab leak, the jobs number, the energy sector, and um, you know other disasters that are uh, part of the Biden administration's daily routine here. And that this is just a distraction. When the report comes out, there's really not going to be much there. Um, but for now, it offers a good uh, way to deflect from the real problems. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, listen, I think one of the real marvels of the last like year or so is that we've had multiple instances of them acknowledging UFOs as a real thing and no one has cared. Like we have like evidence that there may be aliens and no one has cared. This has not even been a big thing. But, you know, to be serious for a second, I really think and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I think they're setting us up for some sort of false flag alien invasion. I really do. I think that's the big distraction that's going to happen so that they can test some sort of like weapon or get everyone used to the idea of aliens being the bad guys or something like that. But I guess we'll see. I don't know. I think aliens are already here. I think they've been here for a long time, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. (laughs) Carlin, thank you so much for joining us. Again, love your perspective on all these issues, and uh, we appreciate your time and and your uh, willingness to be on the program. There's so much craziness going on. You know, there's no shortage of this stuff to talk about. I do want to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can follow you and, and watch some of your work as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you look up my name on YouTube, uh, if you type in Carlin, that'll be enough to get it there. Uh, Carlin Borisenko. I do videos almost every single day of the week around social justice and critical race theory and that sort of thing. Thank you. And JR, thanks for being here as well. Always appreciate your time and your input. Britt, do you have anything else? Are we ready to, uh, we, I know we got to smash some buttons and we got to do some su- subscribing yeah. and things. Number one about Carlin's channel, I, I watched it, I listened to it the first time uh, a couple days ago while I was working and I laughed so hard. Uh, my brother thought I was crazy. It's worth watching. The, the critical race theory stuff is insanity. Um, but yeah, please smash that like button. Uh, follow us on uh, the Twitter, the social medias. I love saying social medias to drive JV nuts. Uh, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the uh, Instagrams. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on Rumble. We're on Twitch. It's all under the Independence Gang. Uh, if we ever disappear from YouTube, you come here and we're gone. That's where you'll find us, Twitch and Rumble for right now. And then also the podcast. We are on podcasts platforms, Apple, and Google. You can find us anywhere, really. Okay, and you forgot the Roku channel, which uh, we encourage you to check oh, out oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, Roku. We got, that's growing, and we're getting accepted, and that's well, interesting. JR, we have about 30 seconds. Did you want to comment on the UFO thing? You look like you might have something to say about that. 
You know, I, I've always thought that uh, we're one big universe and to think that we're so unique that uh, there's nobody else out there seems rather illogical to me. Now, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It, it's, it certainly uh, wouldn't be surprising to me. And, and if you believe in the supernatural at all, if you're religious at all, guess what? You know, you know, you have to have a certain element of higher powers to think that, again, there's nobody beyond us. It would be surprising if it wasn't the case. So, yeah. you know, yeah. that's my quick thought. Excellent point. All right, everybody, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you to everybody for taking um, some time out of their Memorial Day weekend to join the program, not just tonight, but also last night. Remember to thank a veteran and remember to keep uh, family members and friends who have died defending your rights and defending this country in your thoughts and your prayers. It's the Independence Gang. We'll see you next time.